Good evening, dummies. Episode 125, March 25th, 7.18 p.m. It is a great night. Thank you for tuning in. Tonight's show will be interesting. Lots to cover. Three topics tonight. This should be a long show, or maybe it'll go smooth. We will see, but definitely this is going to raise some eyebrows. So let's get into what we're going to talk about. Pantene Pro-V has a new commercial out. And no, it's not the bold and beautiful, wonderful, healthy Christy Brinkley anymore. This is a LBGTQ or LGBTQ uh, woke commercial. And it's no surprise Pantene has changed its marketing over the last few years. And we're going to talk about it. And I think this is a dangerous one. I have to be extremely careful I don't want to come across as a, a a bigoted, prejudiced, transphobic human being, and I'm not going to allow the left to call me so. I'm going to bring a balanced opinion that's one from the heart, because I think you need all three, your soul, your heart, and your mind to process this. And I must warn you, I don't want to hear hatred. Please, don't be that person. Listen to the episode. Try to have a soul, and let's not say horrible, horrific, terrible things to people who are not responsible for this commercial challenge the commercials premise all you want, but let's try to be decent human beings. I'm not preaching to you. I'm just telling you, I would, I would love to see that on this one because this one, this was a huge topic for me. I I did not want to talk about this, but I feel it's important. I don't shy away from things. I don't, I, I told you I would always be honest. I would always be direct. So I'm taking it on tonight. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Diane Feinstein is in the news again. No, she doesn't have more Chinese spies as a butler or a maid, but she is going to be millions upon millions, if not billions of dollars richer from something that screams impropriety to me. And we're going to cover it. We're also going to talk about warrantless search and seizure and gun confiscation from anybody that the Biden administration deems of worthy of having their fourth amendment rights revoked. We will talk about that case tonight. Getting right into it, I was going to do a US Postal Service joke because that's what Diane Feinstein and how her husband or real estate agent is going to make all their money, but alas if I was to do a post office joke, it wouldn't be here uh, for 3 to 5 days. <laughs> Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Well, I'm just a little bit nervous and there's a little bit of vape coming all over here. Folks, it's wonderful to see you. Thank you so much. Who am I? And uh, what do we do here? Well, my name is Matthew. I am the host of Don't Unfriend Me, Matthew Spear, to be exact. Thank you for stopping by. It's wonderful to see you. Here are all my social tags, call signs, whatever. Please stop by. Go over to YouTube. Go over to Instagram. Go wherever you want and leave me a message. You can also go to my new website, which has been redone at don'tunfriendme.com. It looks pretty cool. It's a great way to get all your podcasts, your videos, and everything else you want. And then you can also like, share, and subscribe right there at this red envelope that'll be on YouTube. And let's get started because, well, that's just what we do here. What do we do here? Well, listen, we talk about topics. We talk about things you might agree with or disagree with. You might get offended or not get offended. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me in the end. I 
in the intro switched my lineup. I was going to start with the Pantene Pro V commercial first. Alas, I cannot. I have to be a chicken, and I'm going to start with. While states and local agencies are trying to limit police powers, it appears the U.S. Supreme Court will uphold the longstanding rules about law enforcement being able to enter a home without a warrant for reasons of health or public safety. And a recent Supreme Court case has proven to be even more pivotal. This particular case was initially heard by the court in Rhode Island where a man, Edward Coniglia, appealed a lower court ruling throwing out his lawsuit that accused police of violating his constitutional rights. In 2015, police officers brought Coniglia to a hospital for a mental health evaluation and took away his guns without a warrant after an argument with his wife. We've all been there. Lower courts ruled that police in Cranston, Rhode Island, did not violate the Constitution's Fourth Amendment ban on unreasonable searches and seizures. That's like because law enforcement officers responded to thousands of check the well-being calls each week across the country. And if there is a reason to believe someone inside is in need of critical medical care, they can enter the residence. During arguments, several justices seemed wary of imp- impeding officers from quickly responding to grave situation in which a person might be injured or die. They also cited examples of people who were suicidal and elderly people in need of help. Some injustices, however, questioned how, or excuse me, some justices, I guess that's fair, injustices, that works too, however, questioned how they could ensure that police would not abuse expanded powers to act without a warrant. Why would they ever do that? The Patriot Act, we didn't see people wiretapping and going through our emails and every Facebook and social post and listening to Ma Bell. Hmm. In the 80s and 90s, we didn't see bags of oregano and bags of flour make it upon our person so a vehicle could be searched unwantingly. Evidence was never planted to go ahead and find a baseless warrant. The government doesn't abuse power ever. Hogwash. Justice Brett Kavanaugh said the case highlights two common situations, older people falling in suicides in which imposing heightened requirements on police would cause them to back away instead of acting quickly. The longer you're in the house and no one comes to get you, you're more likely to die from the fall. The statistics are huge on older people dying from falls, Kavanaugh told Coniglia's attorney, Shay Voretsky. Justice Sonia Sotomayor raised doubts about giving police the authority to judge the severity of any situation on their own without, for instance, the advice of mental health experts. President Joe Biden's administration backed the police in the case, and a Justice Department lawyer told the justices that officers should not be required to obtain warrants in situations in which people could be seriously harmed. However, this case also highlights how such powers could have unintended consequences. In this case, a domestic argument between Coniglia and his wife, Kim, began over a Walt Disney World coffee mug. Don't they all? Perhaps trivial, the argument soon swirled into disagreement about her extended family. Those coffee mugs are like $40, and they hold like 24 ounces of coffee. You can't find coffee mugs. It's ergonomically correct. It feels so good in the hand. I have several of them. If my wife tried to take them, I would divorce her too. But the argument started changing hands and it went into extended family, which I completely agree with, too. If my wife took my mugs, the first thing I would do is insult her mother. Hi, Tammy. 
And at one point, Coniglia retrieved a gun and asked his wife to shoot him to get me out of my misery. (laughs) We've all been there. According to court papers, of course, Kim decided to spend the night at a hotel and called police because she feared her husband could be suicidal, which is a very smart thing is to separate during an argument. After the police were involved, Coniglia's guns were confiscated. Ultimately, Coniglia sued the city and the police. The first U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld a federal judge's decision to dismiss the case, according to Yahoo News. And the most pivotal aspect of this case is that the First Circuit concluded that even if the dispute did not constitute an emergency, police were justified under the legal doctrine that gives officers leeway to engage in community caretaking to ensure public safety. Worth noting, however, is that Coniglia, 70, had no criminal history and no record of violence or misuse of guns, and police returned his guns only after he sued. And remember, When it came to mental health issues, he wasn't on the FBI, he wasn't on a wanted list, and most records of that are kept private. However, if it was to a criminal neglect or a criminal issue was associated with mental health, the police would have known that, and there was no cause for it. So the question is this, what does this give Joe Biden? Does it give him leeway? Does it give him extra executive powers no he's not going to go door to door and confiscate guns but what it does is warrantless searches can be used for just about anything and it's based on the discretion of the officer the problem is is that when it's not like a vampire you get invited to the house you get to come in you have to have a warrant if somebody leaves the door open and you assume that there is probable cause to enter, it's just like a vehicle. You have every right to do so. But if that door is under lock and key and no one is answering the door, you have absolutely no right whatsoever and have no obligation to open the door. And you do have rights to maintain that it's closed until legal representation arrives or until they leave the property because you don't have to open up. Now, here's the thing. We obviously want to work with police departments. We obviously want to make sure that we are being protected in a situation where malfeasance could happen or I'm alone and I haven't shown up to work in three days. I probably want the police to come in. But the problem is, is where does it stop? This is the argument we hear, this straw man argument from the left of, listen, we don't want to take away guns. We just want to regulate guns. Yes, but where does it stop? We don't want to censor free speech. We just want to go ahead and and put some constraints on it. And where does that stop? We just want to ban and burn six Dr. Seuss books. The other 100 are fine until they're not. This far-reaching power, Biden will use this most assuredly to confiscate guns if he ever decides to do so. This loophole allows the police department to enter without a warrant. So any phone call from a neighbor that says, I have somebody on Facebook, and that person on Facebook posts pictures of guns. I've heard this person shouting at his wife. Kids were crying one day. And then it's a simple check on the database if the gun is registered, and if it is, they can go ahead and enter the home and confiscate the gun. That is not the way this works, and that's not the way it should work, but it's very possible that is what could happen. It won't be a door-to-door gun grab. It'll be a systematic harassment until people, most people, say it's not worth it to own a gun anymore. And unfortunately, there is a lot of people who would do that. But there's about 10% of the United States who would go down with a fight and would not allow guns to leave their possession in any way, shape, or form, and I'm one of them. 
And those are the people that they're systematically trying to whittle away at. If you are standing alone in a crowd, it is very difficult to continue standing. When you have people shoulder to shoulder with you, it's very easy. And right now, we are an extremely large lobby, 100 million strong gun owners who believe we should continue to have guns. And most of the United States believe we should have guns. Now, I don't care about background checks at gun shows. That doesn't bother me. I really don't want to register my weapons, and I have plenty that are unregistered, so I'm not worried about it, and I don't have to register them. That's why I buy weapons predate Vietnam War. But I will tell you this. Most assuredly, coming from California and being in Virginia, that it starts with a magazine size. It starts with a flasher. It starts with a stock. And then eventually they will whittle away. And the more you give liberals, the more they take away. If that's not true, then why is welfare growing at an exponential rate? Something to think about. Pantene, I am going to have to preface this. I have several transgender friends, people who I know who are transgender. And I want to be perfectly clear. I have done an episode on transgenders. It's right above here. And I am actually for anybody who wants to do anything in their life, as long as it doesn't hurt me, my neighbor, whatever, I don't care. Your home is your home. Your body is your body. Do what you will. I don't want it preached to me. I don't want to be looked down upon because I don't share your beliefs. I support you. And I want to be very, very clear. For the LGBTQ community, I support you and your rights. 100%. I don't agree necessarily but I support you. And I'm not going to be like some people who go, I pray for you. That's condescending and passive aggressive. And honestly, it's a Christian's way to tell you to F off. I care about equal rights for everybody, period. But this topic is difficult to navigate because there's some things in here that I think absolutely should be in this commercial. The commercial, I'm going to preface and then I'll read what I wrote. The commercial has two lesbian mothers. doesn't really matter that they're lesbian. Who cares? It's a fact in today's world. And honestly, whoop-de-doo. We have a hard enough time raising children. Do we really need to put it that it's two women? It's hard. I don't care if you have a woman, a man, two men, two women. Hell, even if you're from Utah and have three. Okay, joke. It's hard. And we can all align with that and we all have that in common. Why make it harder? So although I do agree that children should be free and they shouldn't be told, no, you can't wear a dress and you can't play makeup and you can't uh, play with Barbie dolls with the girl next door because I think that does harm. I played with Strawberry Shortcake and Barbie when I was younger. I'm just fine. I also had every G.I. Joe, Star Wars, and He-Man toy known to man. And I would like to think that I am a toxic masculine male kids should have freedom to identify who they are now psychologically speaking we're going to get into a a place where you may not feel comfortable and you might say that never happened to me but i don't believe it because i've studied psychology too and at a certain age everybody goes through that question of what it would be like to be or be with the opposite sex. It's called homosexual tendencies. Everybody goes through it. I went through it. I had dreams. And you really find out if you are or not fairly quickly. For me, it was I 
like the female body and I'm set and I went on my course, which is the way most people go. But there is another choice that's made. Now, do I believe that being a homosexual or lesbian or gay or transgender is a biological DNA predisposed I can't say condition, but that's basically what it would be. No, I don't believe in the extra chromosome. I don't do all that. And I believe in science. And I'll tell you what, I think it's, it's convenient to say I was born this way only when it's convenient to say that. Otherwise people say it's my choice. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't know because I didn't transition into the left or the right or the up or the down. I stayed on the course that most people go through, but I don't care about that. I don't want to get into genes. I don't want to get into chromosomes. I don't want to go and get into whether it was a choice or not. But everybody does go through that. And some people decide later in life that they have stayed with a woman or a man and then they want to change with their 40s or 50s with a midlife crisis. It's more than likely a choice. And if there is an extra chromosome, there are plenty of people who have been through it who haven't made the choice to transition. So it really comes down to choice doesn't matter. Everybody has a right to choose what they want. I don't have a problem with that. Here's where I have a problem, the long way around the barn. Now that I've covered my P's and Q's and CYA's, and I'm sure I pissed off both sides, is I don't think it's up to a child to decide who they are. I wouldn't let my child take their inheritance at six years old and decide where to invest it. I wouldn't let them sign up for their college courses and decide their major. I certainly would not allow them to get married or have premarital sex at that age. I would not allow them to study the Necronomicon and sacrifice chickens to Satan. And I wouldn't let them join ISIS or Al-Qaeda, and I certainly would not allow them to choose their sexual identity at that age. However, this is becoming more and more common. We just assigned a first transgender position in the White House under Joe Biden, who believes that chemically altering children at any age is okay. That sexual mutilation is okay. Removing breasts and putting extra body parts that weren't there or having them removed is okay. And I emphatically disagree. For all the reasons that I just stated, not just because of transitioning to another sex, but for all the other reasons, Al-Qaeda, putting them in a car and letting them drive to the grocery store, there are things that children cannot do and cannot decide, and we influence them at a rapid clip. We talked about influence last night. And most assuredly, after you watch this video, I think you will understand my preface and where I'm coming from, is that there are some questions that I have, and we're going to do it right now. So enough stalling. I want you to watch this video. I want you to tell me what you think. And I am interested in getting your opinion, whether you agree or disagree. Here we go. Sawyer is an old soul. She is our uh, spunky and creative kiddo. Sawyer also happens to be a transgender girl. I remember the first time she was out in the community wearing the clothing she wanted in her hair and she kind of was herself. And that was the first day where I saw her. 
She has always been super gender creative and hair has been a big part of her transition. So immediately we're into cause marketing. I know a little bit thing about cause marketing. I do cause marketing at my work. Now, I believe that the cause marketing that we do isn't necessarily focused on making the almighty dollar, and it is, but we have another mission, and our mission is to give back. Pantene obviously has transitioned 100% themselves and not afraid to put a family up who will go through much ridicule, and they already have. Millions have taken offense to this, but let's face it, millions of people take offense to everything every day that they shouldn't. And of course, everybody has an opinion, and I want to be clear. I don't have an opinion on how they should raise this child. I have questions because you're putting yourself in the public light and and my child may watch this someday and I want to know. So here's my question with two lesbian mothers who decided that this was the best course of action for Sawyer. Where did Sawyer get this concept and idea? When did this transition take place? Who talked about it with Sawyer? Who empowered it? Because I remember dressing up in a swimsuit, a female swimsuit that my sister dressed me up in and took photos for Halloween. And it was against my will. But I didn't all of a sudden wear that swimsuit and say, this feels comfortable and I want to wear it. Now, that's just my experience. It doesn't mean that that's Sawyer's experience. But the question is, is where do these ideas come from? Do you think it could be possible without a male figure in the house that Sawyer has never had a chance to emulate or see the other side of the sexes? That Sawyer has no earthly idea what a patriarch looks like and therefore identifies with two lesbian mothers because that's all that he has to identify with, which is why he made the choice to be transgender. Do you think this could have possibly been the mother's ulterior motive all along? That they have these beliefs that children go through this dysphoria and that they said if they ever saw Sawyer make any movement towards wearing women's clothes or putting on makeup or doing what every little boy and girl does, that they would ultimately embrace and guide Sawyer down a path of becoming a female. Do you think they had that conversation? I I promise you that they did. So I have questions, but obviously Pantene is doing this because this is a huge moneymaker for them. This opens them up to a a wide swath of liberal politics, which was a company that believed in supermodels and stick figures who blew their lunch and went anorexic and ate an almond all day. But now they are the image of a woke company. Let's watch the rest. Once she told us that she identified as a girl, she immediately wanted to grow her hair out. It made me feel good and confident, and it made my insides match my outsides. It made my insides match my outsides, or my outsides match my insides. Depends who and what you're transitioning from, boy or girl, girl, boy. That statement is not openly available for a young child. That statement is used in the LGBTQ community. Most assuredly, that was given to Sawyer by his mothers. So the question also remains and solidifies my point, what influence did these mothers have on this child without having a patriarch 
and a male figure there. When we're kids, we're taught about things we don't understand by using examples. When we don't understand law and we steal something, my parents called the police. They put me back in a squad car and the police officer said they were going to take me to jail. Experiential learning. When I touched my father's shotgun for the first time, I got my ass whooped, but then we went out and shot a 22 and he taught me the finer points about firearms, experiential learning. When I wasn't respectful to my grandmother and said, ma'am and sir to my grandfather, I got my butt whooped and that was experiential learning. What experiential learning did Sawyer have about being a man and which role was he was emulated? Was there a family friend that they brought in? Was there a counselor? Was there a soccer coach? Somebody who could be an influence on Sawyer's decision-making because we want to broaden children's horizons. Here's a prime example, and I am not making a parallel between terrorism and transgender transition. But there are two-year-olds who believe that Americans are infidels who are taught grenades and weapons at an early age and how to kill people. And they are raised as terrorists. And this is common practice in places like Iran and Syria, in Hezbollah-ruled territories, Al-Qaeda and ISIS. I'm not making a comparison that they're terrorists. What I'm saying is, is children are influential. And if you teach them that America is the devil, most assuredly they will believe that because that is the example they've been raised with. Another example is a lot of us are Christian or Catholic. If we were raised with Satanism, and the most of the populace believe the same thing, that slaughtering goats and wearing goat heads and horns and sacrificing to Beelzebub was okay. Would we question it? Do you think the Mayans and the Aztecs and their, their youth questioned sacrificing people on top of pyramids, including their own mother or father, if it was deemed necessary by the gods? Of course they didn't. Your reality is based upon your influence and the societal structure. If you remove that structure, of course, you can steer any child into any lane that you want, and that is child abuse. 100% with no equivocation, that is the definition of child abuse. Altering somebody against their will, physically harming someone, beating them psychologically, physically, mentally, anatomically, spiritually, existentially, any way you want it, it's child abuse. This was a kid who knew who she was from such a young age. And as a mom, you always worry about your kids being um, loved and accepted. So I'm always telling Sawyer to never hide who she is, always be herself, never be afraid to step out and exist as the person that she is. So I don't know how old Sawyer is, and I don't care because I don't want to make this about Sawyer, but those are pictures of Sawyer ranging from four, five, six years old all the way up until her age now, his age now. I'm not going to get into the pronoun game, whatever. They were dressing Sawyer as a girl long before this video was made. Sawyer has had long hair down to shoulders and middle of the back since Every picture that I just saw, it's interesting. Once again, it leads me to believe that this influence was perpetuated by the adults and not Sawyer. And if we're going to celebrate the uniqueness of Sawyer and this 
this existential dilemma dilemma of coming out at young ages and changing who you are, then let's at least make it real. Let's at least make it genuine and a conversation that actually is accurate because this, what you're watching, is not going to be this clean. It will be messy. It'll be tragic in most cases, and we'll talk about that in a few seconds. Our family motto is everybody loves everybody no matter what path you follow. It means I can be who I am no matter what. It doesn't matter because everybody loves me. My advice is just be yourself and don't let anybody tell you who you are. So much to unpack there. Don't let anyone tell you who you are. I couldn't disagree more. This is how we grow. This is how we escape the comfort zone and start growth because there is no growth inside the comfort zone. You have to be uncomfortable to grow, whether it be working out or whether it be mentally flexing muscles that you've never used before. People tell us who we are. Tell us what we do well. Tell us what we need to work on. And that feedback makes us grow. If it's vacant, then ultimately we'll stay a child forever. I think there's a lot to unpack here, so let's continue to talk about it. Pantene started pushing this LGBTQ agenda, commercial featuring trans children, lesbian parents, and the outcry from the other side of the cancel culture mob is, and there are two different types of cancel culture. There's ruin somebody's career and then financially bankrupt them by boycotting. I think financially choosing not to go to a place is fine. I think cancel culture is different. But either way, the outcry is time to find a new shampoo brand. The hair care company Pantene is now pushing LGBTQ propaganda with its products. The brand that became famous for a classic 1980s commercial featuring an attractive woman looking into the camera and saying, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. You all remember that? Has now hopped on the trans agenda that erases women altogether to promote transgender visibility. It's interesting. I don't think it erases women altogether. It just basically sends a completely different message and alienates a gender who identifies with being female. Pantene's new commercial features lesbian parents Ashley and Ellie and their gender dysphoric child Sawyer. Sawyer is a biological boy who now says he is a girl. Ashley says, as you saw in the video, Sawyer is an old soul. She is our spunky and creative kiddo. Sawyer also happens to be a transgender girl. I remember the first time she was out in the community wearing the clothing she wanted and her hair, and she kind of was herself. And that was the first day where I saw her. Once again, parents influencing It's not that Sawyer said I'm comfortable. It's not Sawyer said that this is the way I want to be. Sawyer can't make that decision. Sawyer doesn't have anything to weigh it against. Once Sawyer told us that she identified as a girl, she immediately wanted to grow her hair out. Sawyer says, it made me feel good and confident, and it made my insides match my outsides. I love that the confidence is there. I love that you're finding something you enjoy. The question is, is what happens when you want to change? What happens if you decide to take altering growth hormones or estrogen? What happens if you get gender reassignment surgery that they want to allow 16-year-olds, and the first 16-year-old just had it done earlier this year, 
One wonders how genuinely supportive these mothers would be if Sawyer expressed himself as a traditionally masculine male. Well, he certainly wouldn't do that or she wouldn't do that because there's been no role model of that in his or her life. And why do you those uh, and why do those who supposedly oppose gender constructs always reduce the expression of womanhood to outward features like hair? Pantene posted this advertisement on Twitter with the hashtag beautiful LGBTQ. Hair, hair is a large part of our identity. And for LGBTQ youth like Sawyer, who chooses to express themselves, their style and their creativity through their hairstyle, it can help them feel seen. Catch up with Sawyer and her mom, Ashley, and see how this family is hashtag beautiful LBGTQ, read the tweet. The tweet was quickly uh, accompanied with criticism from Pantene's normalization of child abuse. A few commentators noted that the absence of any father in Sawyer's life, they're not the only ones. Father absence and family breakdown is a common denominator in many stories of transgender youth. Pantene also published a paid article on Huffington Post by Riot Studio promoting Sawyer's family. Quote, Sawyer's confidence shines bright, and ultimately she hopes to give a little bit of it to the young people who are having challenges in figuring out how to best present themselves in a world where the pressures of conformity can limit self-expression. No child on the earth has ever said those words in any order. I promise you that was never said. Nobody's worried about self-expression. Nobody's worried about racism. They're trying to figure out how to fit in. Their bodies and their minds are changing. They need guidance from parents who love them to give them options, to tell them what their choices are, and to try to explain this completely crazy world to them. Why do we need to make it harder? Why is there such a rush? My daughter won't date until she's almost 16 years old and she will have a curfew. There's no need to have her choose right now. She can choose later. Do not tell the article's authors about transgender social contagion directly attributable to social pressure. Pantene has a series of ads on YouTube promoting the agenda of the LGBTQ community and transgenderism in particular under the hashtag Hair has no gender. Pantene is owned by Procter & Gamble, the same company that created the insulting 2009 We Believe ad, which portrayed men as inherently toxic. Do you think there's a common theme here? Procter & Gamble saw the value of the Gillette brand tumble after that. You can read the headline now from the boycotters. We refuse to buy their products and will send the company the message that healthy adults do not think child abuse is beautiful. I kind of agree with that. Here's what I don't find beautiful. Distress related to a conflict between one physical, one's physical assigned, one, one's physical or assigned gender and the gender within which they ident- identify is a problem. And let me go over that again because I mucked that up. Distress related to a conflict between one's physical or assigned gender and the gender with which they identify is a conflict that happens with all transitioning people. Here are some more. Stress related to fear or transitioning, including the potential backlash and life disruption, as well as considering the risk and sometimes lengthy time period involved for a full transition. Most people who do transition don't find peace in just changing clothes or hair from what they say and want to lose body parts or fully change with hormones, estrogen, 
testosterone and make the complete transfer. But once they do that, they also don't find happiness because ultimately it is a mental condition. It's not predisposed. You can't escape depression. You can't escape psychosis by changing your physical form. If you are fat and unhappy, you will be most assuredly unhappy when you're skinny. Take it for somebody who's been through depression. I know. Problems don't go away for people once they transition. In fact, they often get worse. There is a point of no return with physical mutilation and testosterone estrogen at development at this age, including damage to their reproductive system. They will experience discrimination, transphobia in the form of physical or verbal harassment, physical or sexual assault, lack of support from parents and other family members, or too much support pushing in one way. If Sawyer wants to transition back to a male now and 100% changes his mind, will his mothers be okay to that? I have a feeling they will not. Institutional prejudice manifesting as laws and policies which create inequities and inequality and or fail to provide protection from discrimination. There's only like 12 states that actually have laws on the books. Mental illness, including depression and anxiety, are a huge, huge issue and run rampant in the community. Excessive alcohol and our drug use, 41% suicide rate, 41%. And most hate crime is actually caused against transgender, which also fall into the 40% category. Excessive alcohol and or drug use inside the transsexual community. Stigmas, isolation from conventional society, feeling like they don't belong. Access to lethal means, firearms and prescription drugs to solve issues. Homelessness. These are all issues that the trans community has to go through. Are these things that we want to expose children to? What about the horrible, brutal bullying that will happen? What about the decision to enter a boy's locker room or a girl's locker room? Who do they date? When does the name change? When does the bullying and being picked on start? Now, does that mean that people shouldn't transition because they're going to face hardships? No. No. Does that mean people shouldn't have come out when they were gay or lesbian? Absolutely not. I love that it's happening now. Good for them. Does it mean people should hide their identity and try to be more white because they're black? No. And that is asinine. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that if every single white person had the opportunity to be black, that would be the shortest line in U.S. history. The line for free prostate exams would be longer. There is no way in hell, and you can be completely dishonest or honest with yourself. If you could be black tomorrow, would you? You know you would say absolutely not because you know what the African-American community has to go through, and it ain't cool. So don't tell me there's not racism. Don't tell me it's not difficult. We know the truth. We can sit here and lie to each other and say that we're, oh, so omnipotent and good Christians and good Republicans, and we don't think that there's anything wrong with this or that or this, but you know it and I know it. I'll at least be honest. I will open myself up to criticism. That would be an incredibly difficult decision. And honestly, I already know what I would say. I would say no. What would you say? Then why would we voluntarily put a child through difficulties? Not saying that being African-American is wrong. I'm saying that it's hard. It's hard being white. It's hard being a boy, being a girl, being old, being young, 
being poor, being rich, everyone has problems. Why would you ask for more when you can be protected and be safe by giving children choices? My daughter asks all the time and she says, I will never be a lesbian. And I said, that's fine. But honey, you don't get to decide that right now. And you don't get to decide who you are right now. Your job is to go to school. Your job is to play and have fun and be happy and to turn into a very strong adult. And whatever decision you make, we'll love you. We will love you. We're not telling her, she. how dare you? You can never say that. You have to love a man now. Who are we to say that? Who are we to tell them they have to believe in God? Who are we to tell them what they should believe anyway? We will teach them right and wrong, and then they will make a choice. Because either way, this is what normally happens. If you force it down a child's throat, they will go the opposite way. And then you may just draw a line in the sand where they never come home. That's what my mom and dad did to me. You see, my mom and dad wanted me to do things different. They wanted to fix the mistakes that they made with a middle and older child and fix me and protect me from the entire world. And I resisted and got out of there as fast as I could. I don't talk to my family much anymore. The point I'm trying to make is we have a job to do as parents. And that job is to protect our children and bringing on more difficulty and bringing it into their world and forcing them to make these decisions now isn't going to help them. It's going to hamper them. It's going to damper their spirit. It is going to put them through stresses that nobody needs to go through. And as somebody who was bullied for most of their life, that is the one thing I never want for my children, and you should want the same. Last word. I'm not telling you how to raise your kid. If these two women want to do this, that's fine. It's their choice. I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm still going to raise my child the the way that I would. I would ask that we have a debate. I would ask that we bring up points. If you don't agree with me, tell me why. If you do, also tell me why. But we're not going to hate, and we're not going to tear that kid apart and tear those ladies apart. It starts with conversation. It starts with having a conversation to educate myself. Maybe I'm wrong. Show me why but we don't need to lead with hate. This one's going to go long. Should be fun. Is it true that there are 56 U.S. post offices for sale and the company that was picked to sell them and which will get millions in commission from the sales is headed by Richard C. Blum? And whether you knew this or not, Richard C. Blum is actually the husband of Senator Dianne Feinstein. Now we know why Dianne Feinstein didn't take his name. He's a real estate tycoon and creating separation between her government service and his multi-million dollar business is probably politically a smart decision. The U.S. Postal Service has advanced proposals to reduce its deficit of billions, and it's lost $100 billion over the last 10 years. It is a suckhole of a government-funded bureaucracy. Among them, stopping Saturday delivery and selling hundreds of properties, If it's true that Feinstein's husband, Richard C. Blum, is chairman of the board of CBRE Group, which it is, formerly known as CB Richard Ellis Group, the real estate firm that was hired in 2011 to sell the Postal's properties, CBRE is the world's largest commercial real estate services firm. But other information in this viral email circulating recently is incorrect. The USPS Properties for Sale website 
lists 40 buildings for sale around the nation, including a 22,560-square-foot building in Hollandale Beach in South Florida, which sale is being negotiated and one in Carleton, Georgia. That's 21,000 square foot on sale for $950,000. Go get it right now, folks. What a bargain. Also listed are 11 parcel lands and a total of 20 buildings are in contract or the contract is being negotiated. The email says that the Blum is solely in charge of CBRE and that he owns the company. Well, he did. Now he's an advisor on the board. He's a president and chief executive officer and then decided to step down. It's a publicly owned company, and Robert E. Solentic is now the CEO. Blum Capital, a private equity firm founded by Blum, is one of CBRE's largest stockholders. So he's on the board, and he gets to make decisions about the company. I'm sure he won't benefit at all from this purchase. The email suggests that the Feinstein secured a sweet deal for her husband. Fact check and Snopes, of course, investigated and found no evidence of that. Of course they did. They also found no evidence that Feinstein was in bed with the Chinese and her chauffeur for 30 years was a Chinese spy. They also have found that she has been funded by several groups around abortion and Planned Parenthood and also George Soros money and anti-gun and every single principle about white privilege being taught in school and also common core math. She is for hire, and she's been a politician for hire her whole life. She is as rich as Nancy Pelosi. A Feinstein spokesperson, Brian Weiss, told the San Francisco Chronicle, Senator Feinstein is not involved with any and does not discuss any of her husband's business decisions with him. Her husband's holdings are his separate personal property. Senator Feinstein assets are held in the blind trust. That arrangement has been in place since before she came to the Senate in 1992. The Postal Service is an independent agency overseen by a board of nine governors and the Postmaster General, according to the history, to a history of the UPSPS. Governors are appointed by the president, which advise and consent of this by the advice and consent of the Senate and serve seven year terms. Only five of the governors at any time can be members of the same political party. The Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs has jurisdiction over the USPS, as factcheck.org notes. It's amazing how these political newspapers and websites make so many excuses, and they try to be apologetic, but they don't do that for Republicans. They do that for Democrats and liberals. Feinstein most assuredly knows that her husband is involved in this. How could she not? What's their pillow talk like? Well, honey, Fu Yang Chang was uh, going through our safe tonight. Isn't he your chauffeur driver? Uh-huh. Well, he must have been looking for coupons at the local eatery. I'm sure he wasn't stealing government secrets. Thanks, honey. I appreciate it. What happened at work today? Oh, nothing. There's just a major contract that we're going to land. Well, how much is it worth? Oh, about a billion dollars. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, we can retire soon. Uh-huh. Where's the money coming from? And silence as he mouths words that she can't discern. I promise you she knows. And you don't think that there's people who are actually talking about buying the property who know that it would be good politics to invest $950,000 on a 21,000-foot property that they're not going to use that will ultimately have cobwebs in it, but it will give them good politics with Diane Feinstein in her home state? Of course it will. Miss Feinstein, I'm that company that gave you a million dollars. Remember me? I would like to talk to you about your personal politics and what you believe in. It happens every day in Washington, and a billion dollars buys a hell of a lot of good politics. 
They go on to say Feinstein is not involved in that committee, nor any others that might have dealings with it. In addition, the USPS awards its own contracts, and there has been no indication that Congress has had any part in the bidding process, except for Dianne Feinstein, literally is a fat cat in the Senate Oversight Committee and makes decisions that would impact these places. Their budgets, their finance, are you joking? In 2012, Feinstein co-sponsored an amendment to a Postal Service reform bill that would have temporarily halted post office closings, something that certainly wouldn't have been favorable to her husband's business. Well, that's a perfect scapegoat, don't you think? We're going to make billions in five or six years, but let's go ahead and sign this bill so the signal of impropriety can go ahead and be washed over. Wouldn't that be convenient? These fact-checked outdoors, do they even try? The amendment passed the Senate, but died in the House. So she goes ahead and gets promise points. It's just like doing gun legislation in the House. The House doesn't care because it's going to fail in the Senate. This was too. She signed a bill that makes her look good. So when she does do things like this, she can refer back to it and be apologetically perfectly clean. The viral email claims that CBRE gets a 6% commission on each post office sale. Post service spokesman Sue Brennan denied that. And she says, But the scaled fee structure is confidential according to the contract terms so that there is no way to tell what the sales commissions are. Well, then how are you denying that it's 6%? Because that's standard for most real estate agents. 3% to the buyer, 3% to the seller. Unless there's some sort of veteran fee or uh, whatever deal made where 1% is given back to uh, the ultimate sale and it's 5%. The email contains several references to the taxpayer-funded post offices. The Postal Service is not funded by taxpayers anymore. The Postal Reorganization Act of 1970 made it responsible for covering its own costs as of the early 1980s. Post op, right, but they lose $100 billion and get a bailout. That doesn't sound like they're being fiscally responsible to me. Post office built before that time were bought partly by taxpayer money. Factcheck.org reports, but it's not true, as the email says that every building on the market was purchased with U.S. taxpayer dollars. The list of properties with dates currently on the website shows that eight of the 25 buildings were built after the early 1980s. Heritage groups such as National Trust or Historic Preservation continued to object to the sale of the historic buildings. Some that haven't been protected by historic landmark classifications have been demolished and turned into retail stores. Steve Hutkins, a New York University professor whose website saved the post office, is trying to track sales of the buildings, a March 13 article in the New York Times said. An email from Hutkins to the Times Union said that it is difficult to determine exactly how many buildings have been sold thus far because the USPS doesn't publish a list of the properties that is sold. In fiscal year 2012, the Post Postal Service brought in $148 million in sales of buildings and other property like trucks, but that doesn't tell us how many buildings that includes. This is where the swamp is absolutely running amok and live and well. You always ask the question, how do these senators and state legislatures and government workers come into office making $250,000 a year and ultimately end up with millions? This is why. I will tell you that government bidding on contracts is all about who you know. And who you know gets you the bid. You don't have to be the cheapest. You don't have to be the best. In fact, they don't care about that. The only thing they care about is, are you a part of the who you know community? This is the problem. I know a little bit about this because with the company that we work with, we go and bid on government contracts all the time. And a box of cigars and brandy are not the way to do it anymore. It's all about the big boys club. And if you know the right people, 
you will become rich. And if you don't, you will beg to try to survive. This is the problem with our politics, and to shed light on it is extremely important. This isn't just Dianne Feinstein. There's Republicans who do the same thing. The problem is, is there's no checks and balances, and everyone has all of their hands in the cookie jar. And when mom and dad come down the stairs, which is the proverbial citizens, and we see crumbs on the floor and crumbs on the table and crumbs all over the faces of these politicians, the only thing we can do is tell them no and don't do it again because we've been handcuffed. We have no recourse. We can hold none of them accountable because if we do, they will just change the law and protect each other as always, even though they are designed to be there for us. Folks, that is it for my show tonight. I promised a long one, and I gave it to you. Thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope I did it justice when it came to the transgender transitioning piece. I don't want Sawyer to have ill will. I don't want him to end up as a statistic. I don't even have any ill towards his parents. I understand that things are delicate right now, but these conversations are important to have. Tell me why I'm right. Tell me why I'm wrong. Whatever it is, tell me below. And if you love Dianne Feinstein, clap your hands. And if you're sick of other things like this, I would love to hear what you would like me to talk about next. Please leave me a note. Leave me a comment. Give me a share, like, and subscribe as well if you could. You can do that right here. And let me know what I could uh, talk about next. I would love to get your thoughts, and it helps the show go round. Also, Veteran Crisis Hotline, 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It's way too many. They need your help. Please do me a favor. If you recognize the signs of PTS, traumatic brain injury, anxiety, depress- <laughs> traumatic brain injury, anxiety, and depression, please make that phone call. Reach out to a veteran and provide this number to them. If you can't do it, call me. I will help you do it. And at the last resort, go to my website at www.dontunfriendme.com and you will find a link to VCL right there that will connect you free of charge to a Skype operator immediately. And if you are a civilian, they will find the right place for you too. It's not exclusive just to vets. Folks, that's it for 125. See you tomorrow for 126. Have a wonderful day. Remember, it's Red Friday. Put on your red and remember everyone deployed. I'm out and I will see you tomorrow.